When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nelson, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General. Sean McClain. Welcome, Welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in Utopia Football Podcast, Week 15 Preview Edition. We'll do a pregame six-pack, we'll do a little for real with Fugazi. My name is Sean Pendergast, I'm one half of Kanan Pendergast in the mornings on Sports Radio 610. Joined, as always, of course, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GallerySports.com, John McClain. And John, we'll get into the Texans and the Chiefs in a minute, and we'll get into some of the other things going on around the league, but the big news around here... Uh, it feels like all the big news around here lately has to do with players who used to play here, not play here anymore. But Carlos Correa, <laughs> who's you know, Deshaun Watson, and um, but Carlos Correa now officially two teams removed from being a Houston Astro as overnight he inks a 13-year, $350 million deal with the San Francisco Giants, who John may – if the offseason were a strip club, the Giants came into the offseason waving dollar bills saying, come take my money. They were going to spend money on somebody. Um, first, they had hoped it would be Aaron Judge, but I guess this their backup plan to find a foundational piece is Carlos Correa. What was your reaction to the news? Correa is one of my all-time favorite Astros, but he's certainly not close to Aaron Judge. And he didn't have all that good of a year with the Twins, and uh, he missed games like he usually does. And uh, I was interested, Dansby Swanson from the Braves, former first overall pick, he missed two games in three years. Think about that. He couldn't play for Dusty Baker. Dusty makes those guys take time off. And he beat Correa in every, in every key important stat, And uh, except he had a 277 average and Correa was 291, but he beat him in home runs. He beat him in RBIs. Cray only played in 136 games, and Swanson played in 162. And I'm guessing he'll hit pay dirt. It just is amazing when you have a new year with a collective bargaining agreement, and then your luxury tax goes way up. Teams are willing to spend a lot of money, including money that the players won't be earning uh, near the end of their careers because they there's just no way when you get up to 40. And uh, but I'm happy Correa. I can't wait to watch him play against the Dodgers 13 times. That rivalry's already heated enough. I still don't think it makes a contender the Dodgers and the Padres with all the Padres improvements. They're the teams to beat. But the 49ers were desperate, they'd been mentioned with a bunch of the big guys, and and so they had to spend big and good for Correa. I would like to see someone, Sean, calculate. How much it's going to cost him in tax money in California and playing in Oakland and San Francisco and city and county taxes because they're, I think, the most expensive in the country, maybe Manhattan. But uh, I'm happy for him to get 300 
fifty million dollars. You know, he lives here. He does a lot for charity, and I'm sure he'll be giving a lot of that away. Yeah, I um. Well, yeah, as you pointed out, he'll be giving a lot of it away to the government there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah, in uh, in in Northern California, I you know, John. At the end of the day, for Carlos Correa, I don't think he cared where. Uh, I don't think he cared what the income tax was where he was going. I don't think he cared what the cost of living was where he was going. He needed to find a team that was going to give him that magic number that was greater than the three hundred forty million that Francisco Lindor signed. I I, I think that's. I think it's very evident like that someone went to a 13 year deal for Carlos Correa like that San Francisco was was you know, they were willing to do the 350 million bucks but not in, over 10 years um like uh like the Mets did with Lindor I, I think Carlos just wanted to be the highest paid shortstop in the history of the game in terms of total money I think he's basking somewhere in the afterglow of getting 350 million dollars today and I think if if it had been a team in a state with 80 percent income tax that demanded you give up your firstborn, he would have been like, it's 350, though, right? It's 350 million. Yeah, cool. Let's go. Let's sign it. Um, and I, I don't say that with any bit of animosity towards him like that was we knew his criteria all along was money, John. Like it's been, it, you know, it's it that's that's been no secret this whole time uh, with all the quotes about shopping at the Dior store and things like that. Carlos is. A, he's a really good baseball player. He's an excellent defensive player. He's an above average hitter at best. He's young. He's managed to stay relatively healthy compared to what he was earlier in his career, I guess. But as you pointed out, he still missed a bunch of games last year. Um, he's a good leader. I think he's a good teammate. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he's about the money more than anything else. And that's cool. Like he got his money. Good for him. I agree 100%. He got his money because he had an agent who didn't care about where his client played plays as long as he gets the money yep and that's another in the feather and scott boris's cap and if that's all you care about the money not to take home not anything else just the actual number overall mm -hmm. not the average per year then more power to carlos correa at some point i don't know i haven't looked up yet when the giants play here i looked up uh, when the mets do Have yeah you looked it up yeah yeah may 1st 2nd and 3rd the giants play uh at minute maid park Hopefully he'll be healthy. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's already, it's, you know, he's already come back here once as a Minnesota twin. You and I were at that game, John, together. Oh, yeah, um, I forgot. And, and he, you know, he's such a popular player here. I'm not talking about the reception because he's always going to get a good reception. I'm talking about just seeing him with another team, how he plays and how they yeah. play. Just, just another team for the Astros to kick their ass. Yep, exactly. Absolutely. Do you think if he had come back here as a Dodger or a Yankee, he would have gotten booed? Uh, much more likely. I mean, who doesn't like the Twins? Who's going to boo the Twins? Right. Only the home fans boo the Twins. People on the road don't boo them. So, but if he'd come back with the Dodgers or Yankees, I think, yes, he would have gotten a lot of booze. Yeah, I do too. All right, John, let's get into it then with the Texans and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are two touchdown favorites. Last I checked, coming to NRG Stadium, second to last home game for the Texans. They've got this one and then the chance to keep the streak against Jacksonville alive in week 17. Uh, but the Chiefs right now sitting at, at, I believe, the number two seed in the AFC, 10-3, and three, identical 10-3 and three record. To the Buffalo Bills, but of course the Bills have the uh, have the tiebreaker in that from the head-to-head -head win earlier this season, uh, a game that I was at at Arrowhead Stadium. That was uh, a lot of fun. So right now that's a crucially important game in the um, 
in the standings in the AFC. Um, but uh, before we get into our pregame six pack, John, just overall thoughts on on the Kansas City Chiefs as they come in here. Patrick Mahomes is uh, coming off a game with three interceptions, which has to gnaw at him. They were able to pull it out and beat Denver. Uh, and their running game is 15th, even though they don't have one particular runner who's been effective, but Andy Reid makes it work. Travis Kelsey's burned the Texans through through the years. I'm sure he will again. Texans only given up 11 touchdown passes, fewest in the league. That's probably going to change because of Mahomes coming here. And uh, they are number, I think, five or seven. I just wrote this for SportsRadio610.com in red zone defense. They've been good. In the red zone, they've been good a lot, allowing touchdown passes. But you can throw out any positive numbers because Mahomes is bound to light them up. But I say that, I was convinced that Dak Prescott would light them up. But, boy, the uh, Chiefs coming in here, they don't have to worry about the running game. They got a lot to play for. They want to bounce back. And they know if they win, you know, you look at the schedule. Buffalo has to go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's the hottest team in the league right now other than Philadelphia, winning five in a row, nine and two in the last 11 after losing by three each in the first two games. And so every game is a must win for Kansas City if they're going to get the championship game at Arrowhead Stadium again. Yeah. Mahomes ain't Dak and Kellen Moore ain't Andy Reid. <laughs> it's a. Uh... Um, they, they're, they, you know, Kansas city is just next level. I know the Cowboys are a good football team. This is next level. John, I love how you said that the chiefs are looking to bounce back. They actually won that game against the Broncos. Like that's, that's how good they are is they're trying to bounce back from not covering the spread against the Denver Broncos. Like that's gotta be such a great place to be as a, as a city and a football team where they're bouncing back from a disappointing win the week before against the division rival. Um, so let's get into it, John. Pre-game six-pack. We preview six people, angles, wrinkles to this game, uh, and then we give our predictions on the game as well. So, as always, you go first, John. What's your first thing to watch for the game on Sunday? The quarterback rotation with Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mills. Driscoll is the best runner on the team with Damian Pierce out, and I don't think Pierce will play the rest of the year. But uh, uh, they can't have Jeff Driscoll not play. You know, they've got two terrible running backs in Rex Burkhead and Dari Gumbawale. They have two guys in this game who have a rushing touchdown, Gumbawale and Davis Mills. So they got to keep this rotation, even though the Chiefs are ready for it. When Jeff Driscoll takes a snap, you still have to worry about him running the ball. And he is a good runner. And uh, Pep Hamilton made a mistake. He should have had Driscoll run four times on that first and goal at the four. And uh, – but I would say those two, at least it's interesting. You know, there's not much interesting about this team other than going to have the first pick. But when the two quarterbacks are uh, interchangeable and they bring two different things to the table, you know, it, maybe it keeps a few people awake. Yeah, it's different. I mean, it's it's different. Uh, John, you said something there. Um, I mean, you just – you you just stated it as if uh, as if it were fact that Damian Pierce is going to get sat out the rest of the year. The reports have been up to three games, but you you seem to be pretty confident that you think we've seen the last of Damian Pierce in twenty twenty two. Is that what I'm reading? One into of that? the problems with a high ankle sprain, if 
you got to play, you can play with it and you play with pain and you take shots and you can make, if you make it worse, then he could have an operation. What would be the point? You know, there's just no point. You know, I got nothing to lose at more games. He has 220 carries. He's on a pace for 1,227 yards. And so what? You leave him at 220 carries, that's a good number, a lot fewer than it should be or it would be if he were healthy. And considering he didn't have a lot of wear and tear on him at Florida, I think that would be good going into next season when he's going to have different players around him and a new quarterback. But I just think that they know it'd be stupid to put him out there for one or two games that mean absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I like I, You could tell me that they, that he didn't have an ankle sprain, but they just want to shut him down for the rest of the year because of where the team is at right now, and I would have been fine with that. This, this high ankle sprain may be the best thing to happen to Damian Pierce and the Texans because it gives – it gives him a reason to sit him out because Lovey was going to keep riding him into the ground. Like Lovey has had given no indication, John, that he was going to stop feeding the ball to to Damian Pierce. I don't need. I said that before the season. I don't need to see him get 300 carries for a team that wins two games, uh, and they may not even win two games at this point. So I'm I'm with you on that. All right, my first one, John Jalen Petrie, hoping to build off what have been. I think I think this has been his best two game stretch. As a uh, as a pro so far, the the game against Cleveland where he had the interception and the 16 tackles, and then last week he had 12 tackles, was all over the place, couple pass breakups. I think just beyond the stat sheet, he was showing a real willingness to go in and be ultra ultra physical in that game against the Cowboys. Um, you know he's he's really adapted well to playing free safety, which I know is not something he did at Baylor, as you know. Um, and this will be a game, John, where we know, look, it's a really good offense they're going against. It's going to work the middle of the field, and Travis Kelsey is going to be a big part of that. Jalen Petrie, I know they play zone, not man. He's not manned up on Travis Kelsey, but he's going to be part of an effort to try to at least slow down this Kansas City offense. So hoping that Jalen Petrie can build off of the last couple of really good games that he's had. The only reason he had bad games, he missed too many tackles in the open field. Mm-hmm. And um, I, he did play free safety at Baylor, and he didn't play well. Then when Dave Aranda came in, moved him into a new position, a hybrid safety linebacker where he played around the line of scrimmage. He blitzed a lot. He made a lot of tackles in the backfield. That's not going to happen now with where he's playing, but he's making more plays. But I'm I'm eager to see him have a shot at a guy in the open field, see if he's taking better angles or wrapping up. But, you know, that defense has missed a lot of tackles this season. I yeah. think Petrie's probably missed the most, but people got to be excited about where he is and where he's going to be next season. What's your next one, John? Um, the One of the – perhaps the biggest thing in this game for the Texans is – their lack of a running game. When you've got Dari Gumbawali and Rex Burkhead, and I'm trying to think who'll start. Now, somebody asked me this. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, they're both going to play. They're both going to get carries. Both had finished the Dallas game with negative yardage. I don't know if I'd ever hand the ball off. Maybe throw them some short passes, see if they gain two or three yards, because that's going to be more than they rush for. But uh, I'm guessing now, they're already 29th in rushing, even with Damian Pierce. So now there's no doubt over the last four games, they're not going to run the ball. doesn't matter who they 
drag off the assembly line and put back there. They'll have the worst running game in the league and the worst run defense. And uh, that's hard to accomplish. But if you've left yourself with Burkhead and Agumbawali, and I blame uh, Nick Casario for not doing a better job. You know, the, they had uh, Marlon Mack, and he's not great, but he's playing with somebody, and he was a good receiver. He had a 66-yard touchdown against the Chiefs last week. 66-yard touchdown, and they didn't want him. So they he has done – a bad job, and how he didn't recognize that Rex Burkhead can't run anymore. Dari Gumbawale, if he could run, he'd have been running. And uh, so, you know, Rex Burkhead's so bad, people are pleading for Dari Gumbawale. Yeah, that's so where we are. The running game, you know, if between them, they rush for 50 yards, I'd be shocked. You know, what are the odds that Jeff Driscoll is not going to be the leading rusher. No, I'm I'm not taking that. I'm not touching that, John. Are you kidding me? I think that's a distinct possibility in this game, um, which actually brings me to to my second one here, which is they're probably going to need to throw the football in this game with no Damian Pierce. Um, so um, I would like to see Amari Rogers build on the game that he had last week. You know, yes. it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's it was something new. Um, he's a talented football player. He comes from Clemson. He was a third round pick. Same draft as Nico Collins, uh, who hopefully is back this week as well. Um, I would like to see Amari Rodgers. Amari Rodgers is a guy, John, who at least talent-wise should be on this team next year too. Uh, he's got two years left on his rookie deal. There's no reason Amari Rodgers shouldn't be on this football team next year unless they go hog wild in free agency in the draft this year at the wide receiver position. He is a good football player. I, I liked him coming out of Clemson. Um, I think he's – you know, John Mechie is going to be coming back. So maybe John Mechie winds up being the slot guy. But I liked what I saw of Amari Rodgers. I thought his touchdown catch was not just one of these things where he happened to get open or there was a coverage bust. I thought his touchdown catch was one that he went up and snags from a couple of defenders. That was good to see. So um, because the passing game is probably going to be a bigger part of what they do in this game, and let's face it, they're probably going to be behind in this game. So they're going to be throwing the ball quite a bit, especially in the second half. Uh, I'd like to see Amari Rodgers build on his four-catch performance from last week and give us uh, an- another reason why maybe he's a guy worth keeping around next year when the rebuild hopefully starts to amp up a little bit. The reason he was cut is because he fumbled punts. They don't need him to, to have that role. I want to see him as a slot receiver with Chris Moore outside, Nico Collins outside. I don't want to see Brandon Cooks anymore. Keep Philip Dorsett as the fourth one and – uh and uh, give me that, give me that setup any day of the week. Yep. What's your next one? Your last one, John. I got to go back to. I'm going to go to the offensive tackles. Not giving up a sack. The entire offensive line not giving up a sack against Cleveland with Miles Garrett and Dallas with Micah Parsons is pretty impressive. And the Cowboys, of course, led the league with 48 sacks, highest pressure rate. And nobody was getting them. Laramie Tunsil is doing a great job on pass protection. He needs to eliminate the false stars, but we've been saying that ever since he got here. And I think the offensive tackles, Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard, deserve some recognition, and they need to pass protect uh, well for a third game in a row because they have to throw the ball, and they need to give those guys time. Yeah, I, that was uh, that, that was actually I had that on my list for sure, I, and I would take that protection theme and 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 just extrapolate it out over the whole offensive line because the interior's not been good this year. 
Kenyon Green is going to be somebody to watch every week between now and the rest of the season to see if he makes progress before he gets into what I think is a really important offseason for him. And we know that Kansas City has, you know, along the defensive front, they've got guys that can get after the passer, Frank Clark on the outside, but then Chris Jones as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. My last one, I'll go to the opposing – I'll go to the other side for the pass rush, and that's the Texans' pass rush. Um they, uh, they they did some good things last week against the Cowboys. The sack numbers weren't necessarily uh, there, but I thought there were times where they made Dak Prescott feel a little uncomfortable. The pass rush has been better over the last few weeks. They, kind of, they were good the first few weeks of the season, then hit a serious lull. And in the last few weeks, they've come back to wreak a little bit of havoc. Obo Okoronkwo, I think, has been a real find for them. He's, he's had a good few games here. He was very active in that Cowboys game. And I think the big key with... Um, with Mahomes, which at times they didn't do with Prescott, but it's even harder to do with Mahomes, is keeping him in the pocket because he's so good at making those throws on the run. He's really good at scrambling, knowing when to get down, knowing when to get out of bounds. He's just a really, really smart runner and a really capable runner, and that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes because his arm is just so otherworldly, but he can really, really hurt you um, improvising and with his legs. So I think not only the pass rush getting after Patrick Mahomes, but keeping him in the pocket and containing him so he doesn't get out in open in open space. I would love to see them activate Jonathan Grenard. It's been such a disappointment because he's been hurt. He's the best pass rusher, eight sacks last season. I think he missed like five games. You know, you they, they need a pass rusher, just like they need a defensive tackle. Wouldn't it be interesting if Nick Serio decided to take like defensive tackle Jalen Carter with the first pick or trade down two or three spots to somebody wanted a quarterback, take Will Anderson Jr. or Carter and then pick up an extra one and then take a quarterback. There's three. And it bothers me, although I certainly don't know. I didn't watch Kentucky like I watched Ohio State and Alabama. These people talking about Will Levis from Kentucky is going to be the highest rated quarterback when right now it's C.J. Stroud. But um, uh, I, I, I really would like to see, um, uh, those guys be able to pull that off. And, um, the more I think about the off season, the more fired up I am, Sean, let's just get it over with, yeah. you know, they need a pass rusher. It'd be great for Jonathan Grenard to come back from his injury and have a closing burst, so to speak, where we see the guy that got those sacks early last year and led the team with eight, where maybe it wouldn't be as big a need. Yep. Uh, I the, the, Levis, the Levis thing has a real Trubisky feel to me, John. You know what I mean? Where it's you got two guys that are in Young and, and Stroud that are, you know, they, they feel a little to me like, well, I say like Mahomes and Watson, although Mahomes was a real talent at Texas Tech, but he didn't win nearly to the level that, that those two guys did, but it's it, like, there's a vibe with Levis where there's, he's, they, they like the package of skills that he has, but it, it just hasn't translated. At least it didn't for Kentucky was a big disappointment this year. Um, so I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I need to wait and see this, this uh, off season play out with Levis a little bit more. I, I am fearful that that's the route they end up going is using the number one pick, on something else and then going Levis with that Cleveland pick, wherever that, wherever that may fall. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see if it involves a trade and they can get other first round picks from that, then um, it would be hard to say no to that. Um, all right. My, so, uh, so I think we're good. We did our pregame six pack right there. John, what's your prediction for the game? 
I predicted last week 42-13. So I think that uh, after watching the Texans come within 27-23, I'm going to pick the Chiefs 33 and the Texans 10. Okay, 33-10. I have 45-17 Chiefs. Um, I think that I think the Chiefs are going to run them out of the building. I think I think just I'm looking at this through the lens of a gambler, John, and that was that felt like a game last week that the Texans had a lot invested in. <laughs> you know, like they 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 came out with the, with their best effort. That was their A plus game that they could have played last week. I think that was the A plus game that Lovey and Pep probably could coach last week. That's like I think there's a lot of things they did last week where I just go I can't envision them doing it any better than that, and it's really hard. I think my guess is there's going to be a letdown this week. It's just, the you know, and this is a bad team to have a letdown against. They'll run you out of the building. And I'm with you on the part where I think the Chiefs got up 27 nothing on the Broncos last week, and they just got sloppy and lazy, and they let the Broncos hang around in that game. And my guess is that that was probably a big point of emphasis this week for them is you get the foot on the throat of a bad football team you keep the foot on the throat and you go out there and run them out of their own building. And let's face it, this is going to be an easier building to run the team out of than it was in Denver last week from an atmosphere and a talent standpoint. So I say 45, 17 chiefs. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Um, you, will say, you say all that, but yet you're predicting another two touchdown offensive explosion. Uh, yeah, no, because the chiefs will lay up in the second. I mean, they'll, they'll keep the gas on offensively i think but i you know the, the you know how these teams get when they get up five six touchdowns like the dolphins were up 30 to nothing at the half and they let up a couple touchdowns in the second half like i yeah, i do think there's going to be a prevent defense aspect at some point in the game where the chiefs just want to go home but i just don't think they're going to let the texans hang around to the point where we're going to be sitting there at halftime like we were with the broncos game going wow look i can't believe they let these guys back in the game so an offensive explosion. Listen to you, John. It's an eruption of offense. Two, at 17. two, touch, two touchdowns and two yeah. games in a row. Wow. Well, back in the day when they used to have that promotion with, uh, with I believe it was Jack in the Box. If you uh, they scored two touchdowns offensively, uh, you would get a free Jumbo Jack. They don't do that anymore, unfortunately. Um, so and, and honestly, the Texans don't score two touchdowns nearly as much as they used to either. All right, John, you ready to do a few for real or fugazis? The people love this segment. Let's do it. OK, for real or fugazi, in case you're new to the podcast, I read a statement to John. He tells me if he thinks that is for real, as in that is true. You're on target, Sean, or fugazi, which is Italian for counterfeit. And John, basically, that is him disagreeing with the take. Um John Rex Burkhead is the most hated Houston Texan since Brock Osweiler. For real or Fugazi? Ooh, well, let me think a minute. Uh, sure, for real. Poor oh, wow. old Rex. He's done nothing to to deserve it. He's a great guy. He plays hard. He's smart. Gives everything he can. But people just don't want to see him run the ball. And so, yeah, I'd have to say that's for real. Although he's not anywhere close to Brock Osweiler. Wait a minute, Fugazi. What? Deshaun Watson. Oh no, I should have said current Texan. I don't mean former Texan. You like, said Texan. Oh, I Deshaun guess you know Watson. John, well, and I guess last year John, Deshaun was a Texan last year, technically. So I guess that is what is it, John? Fugazi. Fugazi. It is Fugazi. Yeah, Deshaun Watson was technically a Houston Texan in the year where he was dealing with all the lawsuits. Good job, John McClain. I was going to say, you know, the one name, 
because it's a running back that I think of. Like uh, David Johnson was up there pretty high for Ooh, people. You're right. I apologize. I want to apologize right here to Rex Burkhead for saying uh, for real. Yeah. Because you're right. People were so down on David Johnson. Yeah. Because of how he got here for DeAndre Hopkins. But boy, they well, were, they they do not hold Deshaun Watson in high esteem, of course. Yeah, because he got traded for DeAndre Hopkins, and when he got here, he started running like my aunt Barbara. Like he's he he just he he was running like he didn't want to play football anymore. Um, all right, John. Next one here. Kyler Murray's contract was a big mistake. For real or fugazi? Fugazi. They made it at the time, and everybody was happy with it, and they had high hopes, and he's got his torn ACL, and he'll come back with a new staff and maybe a system that still fits his skill set. But I don't think they have any regrets about it. They do about this season. But when you do those contracts, you're doing them long-term, and he's still got a lot of time to to uh, to prove that it was the right move for the Cardinals. All right. I, I, I don't know. I thought he was overpaid when he signed it. He has never been in, like, the upper half statistically of quarterbacks. Um but, you know, we'll see. Torn ACL. He has, uh, John, the torn ACL, the good news is he's got plenty of time to study film and fulfill his study hall obligations <laughs> to the Cardinals. That's the good news. Not that he's going to do it. No, no. He, he's going to play a lot of video games, I would imagine. Um, all right, John, for real or Fugazi, Laramie Tunsil should be in the Pro Bowl, maybe even be considered for first or second team all pro. For real or Fugazi? For real, Laramie's having a great season as a pass protector. Watch the, what he's done against the best Pass rushers in the league, he faces a lot of them. He's been tremendous. Yeah, I agree. I And that, that's been – boy, if someone had told you this time last year <laughs> that a year from now – what are we, week 15? A year from now, uh, Brandon Cooks will be sitting out sulking with a <clears throat> calf injury and Laramie Tunsil will be the captain of the football team. Like, if I had done that for real or Fugazi a year ago with you, if I, a year ago this week when Laramie was milking a wrist injury so he didn't have to play, I said, for real or Fugazi, John, let's pretend it's 2021. Laramie Tunsil will be the captain of the Houston Texans a year from now. You would have fugazi the hell out of that. Fugazi. Right. Fugazi. Yeah, it would have been. All right, I got a few more here for you, John. One football, one basketball, and one Houston icon. Here we go. Uh, Detroit, six and seven now, John. They've won four in a row, five out of six. The remaining schedule for the Lions is at the Jets, at the Panthers, home for the Bears, at Green Bay in Week 18, which is probably a Jordan Love game, I would guess. The Detroit Lions are making the postseason in the NFC, for real or fugazi. Fugazi, we want to see it happen because everybody loves the Lions. They have, people think they've suffered here. The Lions haven't won but one playoff game since the 50s. But it'd be a great story. But the Jets have a really good defense to counteract their offense, plus Mike White's playing pretty well. Carolina is one game out of first place behind the Buccaneers. Steve Wilkes has done a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Deontay Foreman is their leading rusher. Now, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're capable of beating the Lions. As much as I'd like to see the Lions get that, I think they're going to come a game short. Okay. And that'll be their mantra throughout the offseason is, you know, coming up one game short, everybody being so fired up next season. Are they off the quarterback list now? Absolutely. Jared Goff saved his job. For real. Jared Goff's playing great. 
Who would have thought a year ago that he'd be better than Matthew Stafford, who struggled all year with injuries, with terrible offensive line that fallen apart? But Goff originally, they were thinking they were planning to take a quarterback because they're going to have to to have a high pick that came from the Rams. But I think they're going to be able to use their first round picks on position players going to make them even better. And for sure, I would imagine the defensive side of the ball for them, right? I think that pick right now is like third or fourth in the draft. I think it's fourth because the Rams won that game, uh, the Baker Mayfield game last Thursday, I think made them four and nine. So I think that pick is like fourth right now. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine Dan Campbell gets to throw Jalen Carter out there uh, in the middle of that defensive line? People are going to jockey for quarterbacks, and Carter's going to be the first player picked who's not a quarterback. So they might miss out on him, but they also may get the best pass rusher to play opposite Aiden Hutchinson, who's playing great as a rookie. So they almost can't lose with that pick, thanks to the Rams. Yep, that's crazy. I mean, John, three of the top five picks in the draft are going to teams from trades, and all three of the teams that are receiving those picks are doing much, much better than people anticipated they would do. The Denver pick at two is going to Seattle. In the Russell Wilson trade, as you just pointed out, the Rams pick at four is going to Detroit from the Matthew Stafford trade. And the Eagles get the fifth pick from the Saints from the, of all trades, the Trevor Penning trade uh, right before the draft. That's Payne's favorite player. Trevor, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's, it's just, it's crazy. And that'll all shake out differently probably. But as of right now, Three of the top five picks are going to teams that are overachieving. I, I think the you know the Eagles were a playoff team last year. I don't think anybody thought they'd be twelve and one through thirteen weeks this year. Um, so that's just it's crazy. The rich are going to get richer for sure. Um, all right, John um, Carlos Correa signed a thirteen-year, three hundred fifty million dollar deal. Jim Crane needs to start playing in the deep end of the pool and handing out some eight to ten-year deals for real or Fugazi. Fugazi, his. Uh... The way he operates now has been a success more than any team in the league at this time last year. I said, well, you can lose George Springer, but man, oh man, you let Carlos Correa get away, you're going to regret it. They don't have anybody who can play shortstop. And after the way Jeremy Pena played in the playoffs and the potential he showed during the season, I don't doubt them. I mean, as a fan, you'd love to see him spin, spin, spin. Like uh, the Mets owner, Steve Cohen's on the back page today being praised in New York because he spends money. But uh, Crane's formula has been tried and true for seven years, and I'm eager to see how how it continues to go. Yep, I am too. What will be interesting, John, will be when they're getting towards the end of this run, you know, and who knows when that's going to be with all the young pitching and with Jordan Alvarez locked up for six years. I mean, it could be a long time. But if the Astros ever get pushed in the division, let's say, the chances, there's a better chance that there's a team or two in the division that catch up to the Astros than the Astros falling back to the pack. But if, if it starts to become where they're in that slog of 10 or 12 teams that are competitive as opposed to being one of two or three teams that are above everybody else, it would be fascinating to see how Jim Crane handles that. You know, like he can do no wrong right now. They're the best team in baseball. He just lost Verlander. And nobody's even batting an eye. Nobody's angry about them losing Justin Verlander because the team is so stacked and the way they've done business has worked so well. Um, I just wonder, you know, I I wonder, I wonder if Crane just sticks to his, you know, just 
if he stays the course with that, if there's ever pressure on him to go spend from the fan base, if he succumbs to that, or if he says, nope, this is what got us here. And I know we, I know we only won 81 games last year, but um, we're going to ride this thing out. He likes flying first class. Yeah. And when you fly in first class, first class for seven years, seven, eight, nine, ten years, then all of a sudden you go back to sitting and coach, you're going to do what you can do yeah. to get back in first class. So I think at some point, if that's what he has to do, I believe he'll do it. I do too. I mean, I think he's got the wherewithal to do it I, and the resources to do it. Um, he's just not been pushed to that yet. It's really, it's been just a, it, it's been a phenomenal six years here, really eight years uh, since 2015. All right. Last one, John, the Chronicle put out a list of the most 31, most fascinating and viral personalities in Houston in 2022 for real or Fugazi mattress. Mac is the most fascinating Houstonian of 2022 <laughs> well that's for real of course and even if i didn't work for him at gallerysports.com i'd have to say that because i think he's been most fascinating for a long time based on how much he's on radio tv everything he does promoting houston and teams like the astros and he's uh he's and the fact that he gives away so much i think Every time I do a show, yesterday I did St. Louis, Bernie Miklas, one of my all-time favorite writers, and he came on talking about Mac, talking about gallery sports, asked me what it's like to work for him before I ever brought him up. I've gotten him on OutKick before the uh, in the middle of the World Series, and, you know, he promotes Houston, and, of course, he's not shy about gallery furniture. Everything he does is with the mind to sell, sell, sell furniture, and nobody does it better. No, he's the greatest promoter I think I've ever seen. He's a, he's unbelievable, and I think the viral video of him telling those Philly fans what they could go do, <laughs> I think probably put him over the top for a lot of people, both in terms of popularity in Houston and profile around the country, right? Like, I, there's probably a lot of people that were more entertained by that video than inspired by the video i think houstonians were truly inspired by the video where he was telling the guy to go bleep off and bleep you and all the bleeps and everything else uh i think the guy's phenomenal um all right john what do you got going on on all your various platforms i have on uh, sportsradio610.com a column about what the texans will do without Damian Pierce and what to look forward to in the draft. And I'm working on a column for gallerysports.com looking at the playoff picture because this is the time to separate the contenders and the pretenders. Yep, I would imagine the, the pretenders from the contenders. Probably uh, one of many draft articles that'll be posted on sportsradio610.com and gallerysports.com by you. Are you going to do mock drafts this year, John? Uh, I'm sure I will. Um, I like doing them, and uh, so yeah, I'll do mock. Drafts. You were doing them when the Texans weren't picking till '67. You got to do them when they've got two of the top twelve picks in the draft. I did them when they didn't pick till the third round because they got a lot of clicks, and so they got a lot last year. That's with the Chronicle, of course. So I'll be doing them for. Uh, uh, in fact, I may just do them and post them on both my outlets, Six Ten and Gallery Sports. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John. Um, appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the game on Sunday, my friend. Sean, thank you very much. I'll see you out at the stadium. That'll be fun. Are you are you on pregame with us, John, on Sunday? Every every home game, I'm there. I had to okay. back out of one, but that was because I didn't go to the game because right. the World Series was on. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, just making sure. 
Um, so we'll see out of Bud Light Plaza. Come see us out of Bud Light Plaza. John always draws the biggest crowd of anybody out there. We damn we have, we've had rappers on the show, and then John McClain comes up, and they, the the crowd pops even crowd doubles. Uh, so um, so yeah, come out and see us if you're out at the game on Sunday, Bud Light Plaza for Texans Countdown. Um, and uh, a reminder to email us your questions for the mailbag episode, which is up as we speak. This week's mailbag was fun. Um, you can go find that on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. H O U mailbag at gmail.com that's the address that's the email address for our mailbag h-o-u mailbag at gmail.com and uh, we appreciate you downloading subscribing sharing with a friend giving us a rating uh preferably five stars uh on the uh, podcast we appreciate everybody that's in this audience that we've been growing um since the beginning of the season uh sticking with us through i would say the most difficult houston texan season maybe in the history of the team um, appreciate you hanging with us here on the Utopia Football Podcast. Big thanks to Figgy Fig getting the podcast out to everybody as well each and every week, three episodes, and Figgy gets them to you guys in a timely fashion. For John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you next on the pod. We will see you on uh, Monday morning with analysis of the Chiefs and the Texans. I'll see you all 6 a.m. each and every day, Monday through Friday on Sports Radio 610. Until then, have a great day, everybody. <laughs>